Jesus with just a few Christian kids doing the inviting. And he's like, well, I stopped running programs and just went to them and did everything in their turf and in their world on their terms using their friends to do the inviting. And they were the ones putting on club for their friends. And he realized pretty quickly he could do this in other high schools by calling people, adults, to say, do you have a heart for non-church disinterested kids? Disinterested kids, do you have a heart for Christian kids? And helping mentor them to be missional to their friends, creating a space where they feel comfortable inviting their friends to bridge the gap between the kid that would never darken the door of a church and church itself, because church is the end goal. And so he realized he could do this, and so it took off. Young Life Clubs just started popping up all over high schools all over Texas. And then by 1941, it, it uh, became like, it was in like seven or eight states, and it became like an actual, Young Life became like an organization. And then 54, it came to New Westminster, and uh, it went to France. The two, the two greatest options. Um, and now it's in 104 countries worldwide. It's just taking off in Africa right now. There's hundreds of thousands of kids hearing the gospel every week in Africa, and it's nuts. And it's based, it's based on three major beliefs. And this is what got me excited about Young Life. I didn't grow up with it. I was just out of Bible school, got my degree in theology, being like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. And... Uh, I fell in love with these, these three major beliefs of young life, this, this mission. And they are, um, if kids could see Jesus for who, truly, for who he truly is, they couldn't help but fall in love with him, right? And the Bible's full of those stories, right? It's the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the, most, the worst of the worst, in a sense, are drawn to Jesus. And he wasn't justifying what they did or how they lived, but he was loving them in a way that changed their lives and actually was attractive to them. And so when we enter the lives of teenagers, we meet them in the world, live life with them, but there's something about us that's drawn them, given us love, unconditional love for them. Uh, but at the same time, they can see and experience that, that love of Christ as we tell them. And then the second part of that, is the second belief, is we earn the right to be heard, meaning we want kids not to hear from just some stranger that there's God out there who loves them, especially in our postmodern era. We can tell people all we want, what we believe, but it's when it comes from somebody we know and trust and has a relationship with us. Then it becomes a conversation. And then the third belief, this is one I love, this explains a little bit of my legalistic uh, Christian upbringing that kind of pushed me away a little bit, but we consider it a sin to bore kids with the gospel. <laughs> Living for Jesus is the greatest adventure you could ever be on, literally. And we want kids to see that and experience it as they see their leader's eyes light up when they talk about their Savior, when they talk about Jesus, when they praise Jesus, when they bring him to church the first time. Um, and I think when we break down these preconceived notions of what it means to live for Jesus and to love Jesus, and kids experience it through a relationship where they've earned the right, where that adult has earned the right to be heard, lives are changed. It's incredible. I'll tell you about Zoe. We just had a really good one. Zoe uh, from um, Kitsilano High School. She goes to our kids club. Um, we never fully knew where she stood, but she finally, she's been coming to club this fall, just got involved uh, in that club. She's got a good leader, Bronte, and Bronte convinced her and a couple of her friends to come to our New Year's camp. Um, Rockridge Canyon, do you guys know Rockridge Canyon at all? Yeah, so that's Young Life Western Canada's kind of camp uh, that we built and with leaders like we talked about in the movie. Um, we take their kids there in the summer. Uh, we do a camp over New Year's. It's a winter wonderland this year. Uh, they took um, Zoe there, a big cabin full of these girls. The good thing about, cool thing about Young Life Camp is when these kids get to camp, they already have a relationship with their leader and all the kids in the cabin. 
They've already been prayed for. There's tons of work that's gone in. And they're sitting in cabin time, talking about what the speaker that night had talked about and processing the gospel at a very introductory level. And Zoe slowly was catching on. And we do these one-on-one things with a leader. And we try to get a one-on-one with each kid during the week just to help kids process and ask them where they're at and get a sense of where they're at. Um, and Bronte and Zoe was really, really asking some really great questions and really listening and really connecting with the conversations. And it became clear she didn't believe in Jesus. <laughs> but if Bronte believed in Jesus, there had to be something to it. And at the end of the week, she said, you know something? I do need Jesus. I do want Jesus. And to make a long story short, Bronte said, okay, let's pray to ask Jesus into your life. And she's like, praying is weird, man. I can't. That's, I'm praying. I'm talking to somebody that doesn't, like, I can't, I can't get that process into my head. And she's like, well, why don't we pick up our phones? When we phone somebody, we don't necessarily see them either. So let's pick up our phones and let's pray to Jesus. So literally, Bronte's like, we take their phones away when they go to camp, so we couldn't use a real phone. Um, but uh, they picked up their phone, and she's like, so let's talk to God. And so we asked Christ in her heart, and then she's like, okay, I don't know what to do now. So she gave the phone to Bronte, and Bronte like, to the phone like, amen. And uh, it, was a, it was a sweet little moment. It brought me to tears having Bronte tell me this the next day after camp, like explain this, but it was just phenomenal. And then the next day in their cabin, she's praying out loud and so excited that she accepted Christ. And she's at church right now for the, I think, the fourth time with her leader. And it's an incredible thing that we get to take these kids away, we get to experience life with them, and then transition and pull them into the church. Um, and why are we here? Why Carol and I are here? Well, it's Missions Fest this weekend, so you guys need to know what's going on in your community. But at the same time, um, Young Life's been around for a long time. On the west side of Vancouver, we've been around for 62 years now. Uh, on the east side, we just kind of, it's, it's had its up and downs, but the last three years, we've, we've been going pretty strong. We have a club out of Windermere Secondary. And one thing we're trying to do is get the word out of what Young Life's doing. There's a high school just down the road here, Templeton. Some of you heard of it. How many teenagers from Templeton come to this church? Right? That's the vision we want to give you guys to say, what can you do as a church? What can we do to help you reach that high school for Jesus? And maybe there's just one person in this room who's like, you know something? I'd love to work with teenagers. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to mentor Christian kids and come alongside them and help them reach their friends. I love having fun. And maybe you're like, dude, teenagers, that's not my thing. Like my wife. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there, we need adults to support the leaders that go and do it. Like they said, we need, we need funding. We need adults. We need committees. We need, we need people to make this thing happen. And three years ago, I just walked in East Vancouver with a massive list of Christian people that other people knew. And we got a committee and we got Young Life going. One thing that keeps me going is this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I'm here by faith, trusting that God's maybe calling you, some of you by faith, to come talk to us at the back to hear more about how you can be involved. And one way you can support us, one way you can come and have a great night, maybe it's a date night, whatever. We actually are having just the timing of it. Um, this invitation, come grab one at the back, but we have our, um, our annual dessert night fundraiser at, at uh, Heritage Hall, Maine at about 15th. Uh, it's a really sweet venue. We have Shiloh Charity coming. She's a great musician. We're going to have tons of laughs. It's going to be an incredible night. Um, come buy a ticket. Come support us and hear more about what Young Life's doing. And meet some of the people on the ground who are really giving their lives to teenagers. Um, yeah, come talk to us in the back. We'd love to chat with you. And that's my my 10 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Beautiful, Dustin. It's interesting. My heart kind of turned over when he said how many from Templeton School are in your church. And if any of you know our story, our house is often packed full of teenagers now from Templeton School because of our homestays that we have. And that started back with Leonie. Some of you remember uh, a couple years ago, we used to only have kind of young adult uh, homestays. And we started with Leonie to start having uh, teenagers. Uh, and most teenagers are pretty social. And so we don't usually just have a homestay. We usually have a homestay and a lot of her friends. And um, so several times in the last few months, uh, we've, we've experienced that. And, and not only um, kids from other countries, but kids from Canada. Uh, we've had a number of kids that we've now connected with, some of their teachers we've connected with. And uh, so we, you know, as you know, I started out my ministry in youth, youth work and with Kathleen in, in Calgary. And we've been lead pastors for all these years. And it seems like we've kind of done this full circle and say, well, what does that look like when we're in our 60s, you know? Um, and so we are praying. We're, we're just saying, is that just a, an accident or is God doing something? But it has really given us a heart for the school. And wondering what God is up to. And when I met with Carola and uh, I think Marcus, our son-in-law, I think is on the board. Is he? Yeah. yeah. So Marcus is on the So I met with him that day. And that was one of the things that came up is, is rather than trying to make something happen, what is God already doing? And, you know, uh, how could we work with Young Life? Because I think or organizations like Young Life come alongside, are part of the church, but they fulfill a role that many times local churches cannot on their own. But we need each other. Uh, we want to see a partnership where we do see uh, teenagers. And so it's so cute to have our, our Naomi's going back on Wednesday and, and uh, uh, her friend uh, Sophia is, is an Italian girl. She's, she's already moved in. So, uh, but it's so cute because when, after supper, they want us to, to sing. And, and, and their favorites are worship songs. And so I hear them going around the house, I will build my life. And it's just so cute. No Christian religious background at all. And uh, so, so God, God is up to something there. And, and I think that for us, it's what is the Father doing? What is God doing? I think the other thing I want to say, just before we pray and, and allow Kirsten to share is uh, I think missions in the church is going through a real identity crisis. And I know Missions Fest themselves are really struggling with what, what, what mission looks like in our day and age when so much of mission has been kind of uh, associated with colonization and, um, you know, uh, basically uh, stripping people of their rights and culture, you know. And, of course, we know there's a lot of good that's come from missions, but... There's so much uh, struggle with what mission looks like in our day and age. And I think that the model that Dustin has just shared, that Young Life, is such a beautiful model because they're going as guests. Uh, and Jesus, most of his ministry, did you know he was more of a guest than a host? He spent most of the time being a guest. And, and when you're a guest, you give up power. You give up control. And you basically go onto somebody else's turf. And so I love that model. And I think there's different models we've had for missions in the past. One, 
One is the people in exile, like we're the world, they're the world and they're us, and we're just hanging on till, the, till Jesus comes, and it's a kind of a survival. And, and there are aspects of exile that are true. I'm not saying it's all wrong, but I don't think it's a complete model. And the other model is, 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 is war. We're in a war. We got to, you know, and so we, we're, we're part of culture wars and fighting the bad guys and, and all of that, and, and, uh, and people become the, more aware of what we're against than what we're for. But I think the most beautiful model that Jesus came to give us is the incarnation, a faithful presence, living in and amongst where people can see the love of Christ amongst us. So I'm not saying exile and war. There, of course, there is battle. There is spiritual battle. But I think that faithful presence, and part of being that faithful presence is being safe communities, and especially for the, the weakest and the most vulnerable amongst us. And so Kirsten, with the panel yesterday, gave a beautiful uh, presentation at Missions Fest, and we're going to be teaching from that in the weeks to come, months to come, just how we develop safe practices as a church to protect the most vulnerable amongst us. Because sadly, faith-based communities, uh, the statistics of abuse and, and violation uh, sexually and other, other crimes is, is, is almost equal to, if not equal to, the secular world. So we need to do a lot of work in this. And Kirsten has a passion for that, for creating a safe place, not only in our church, but in organizations around the world. So I just uh, really appreciate her passion for this. She's going to share a little bit about what today, what she's, she's about as she goes back to Rwanda for a few weeks. So come on up, Kirsten. So I'd like to just invite, if, if I know some of your guests, and if, if you don't mind just us being a family for about five minutes, I'd like to invite some folks to come up and just gather around, Kirsten and Dan. Come on up, Dan. Let's pray for them. And uh, just felt that when Dustin talked about that girl that just got on the phone and said, you know, invited Jesus into her life on the phone, I just feel there's somebody here today that needed to hear that it's actually just that simple. Sometimes we need tangible ways to, to connect our faith. So uh, just really uh, encourage you, if you feel like you need somebody to help you get on the phone, like uh, her friend did, her, her, um, her leader did, uh, we're here to, to help or uh, serve you in that way. This week, as I was reading through my devotions, um, I came to that uh, uh, transfiguration, which Sandra will be teaching on in a few weeks. And Jesus came down from the mountain, and the first thing that confronted him was this, uh, this big uh, kind of controversy around this boy that, that was so uh, oppressed by darkness. And, and so the way that Mark describes him is... Um, uh, he said, uh, the, the father explained, he said, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And that just stood out to me so strong that that is the work of the enemy, to just rob children of their voice and of their speech. So I just felt that, that, that you know, obviously we know the story that the good news of, the, of, of what Jesus was in that situation was he gave him back his speech, raised him up when everybody thought he was dead, stopped the self-harming that was going on. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you that you've commissioned Kirsten for such a time as this. And we are just so privileged, Lord, to walk with her, to stand with her in this season, this time, as a, as a community, as a, 
as a church family. And Lord, we, we know that on this level, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that there is a war going on. So we just ask for wisdom. We ask for the discernment to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Lord, it's yeah. tricky. It's political. There's just so many nuances in the midst of such a horrific past that this nation is still climbing out of. And I've often sensed as I've talked and prayed with, with her that uh, this is not just about Rwanda. This is yeah. about Canada. Yeah. This is about our culture as well that is so busted and broken and maybe it looks differently but the devastation is just as great so we just ask for your protection over her that you would surround her and Dan and, and the, the girls Lord their whole family we bless them in the name of the Lord we bless her Lord to go to be who she is and to, to walk, Lord, as, as your ambassador. And we say, come, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Thank you. In Jesus' name, come, Lord.